with all wisdom where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown, and I am here today with Cliff McManus, and we are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and professors at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And today we want to do part two in our discussion of parachurch ministries. But before we get to our topic, I want to point your direction to withallwisdom.org, where you will find a large and growing collection of resources on various theological, cultural, and practical topics that are all rooted in God's Word that are aimed to help you make genuine progress in your walk with the Lord. Now on to our topic. We are picking up from our last episode. If you want to check that out, that was episode number 35. And we are coming now into this second part, wanting to talk more about parachurch ministries, what gives them legitimacy, and what potentially could make them illegitimate. Before we do that, we want to review a little bit. How do we define a parachurch ministry? Well, parachurch ministry, we define it as an evangelical Christian ministry that more or less operates independently of the local church in its governance and funding. And an important piece to that is the word parachurch with the prefix para, which means alongside, literally means alongside the church. And last episode, we discussed how it's important to recognize the church, and specifically the local church, as the original entity. And so, in order for a parachurch ministry to even exist, it is fully dependent upon that original entity. And not only is it fully dependent upon that original entity and and it's all it is a derivative entity, but that this The New Testament shows that the church is the priority. It is the primary, it is the priority entity or institution. In fact, in the New Testament, Christ has only established one institution, namely the church. And so that's important to keep clear because as people are working in and forming and establishing parachurch ministries, they have to do so in relation to the church. The very word requires that they do that, but also the very nature of the church requires that any parachurch ministry uh, understands itself in relation to the church, and specifically the local church. The church is the original entity, and any parachurch ministry is a derivative entity. So with that introduction and background, we want to get into the question of, so are we just disparaging parachurch ministries altogether and rejecting them altogether. Well, no, we're not. Certainly not doing that because With All Wisdom is a parachurch ministry and Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary is a parachurch ministry. We mentioned last time that uh, I got saved largely due to a the ministry of a man who worked for Campus Crusades for Christ. Um, so, and... Uh, that was a wonderful experience, and so thankful for that. We, Cliff and I both attended parachurch ministries, parachurch organizations for seminary, and so we are not rejecting parachurch ministries wholesale. That is certainly not what we're doing, but we do want to talk about a theology of parachurch ministries so that we can be very clear on uh, the reason for their existence and their purpose and what they're meant to do in relation to the Church. We want the, the both the church and any institution that is that is supposed to be helping that the the church to be thinking clearly and accurately about its purpose and reason for existence. So, first thing I want to ask you, Cliff, is what are some elements of a parachurch ministry that give it legitimacy? Yeah, I agree with you, Derek. That there are 
legitimate parachurch ministries and compromised ones. Uh, the compromised ones maybe aren't legitimate at all. And there's kind of a gradation or a spectrum mm-hmm. of parachurch ministries in terms of their legitimacy or illegitimacy. But I think the Bible's pretty clear on giving us some foundational principles to be discerning and figure out, is this parachurch ministry legit and biblical and fulfilling its role as stated that it's a parachurch, mm-hmm. it's going to come alongside the church, serve the church, help the church, or is it doing otherwise, uh, meaning it's not helping the church, it's competing with the church, right. replacing the church, right. supplanting the church, ignoring the church, or worse, the worst of all, and there are some ministries out there where they disparage the church. Yes. They criticize the church. Right. They knock the church. That's a huge red flag because yeah. when you're verbally criticizing and knocking the church, you're talking about the bride of Christ yeah. whom he shed his blood for the church. Yeah. He gave his life for the church. Yeah. The church is his bride. He's his precious bride. He's building the church according to Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. It's going to culminate as he's going to marry his bride, the church, mm-hmm. for all eternity. Yeah. That's where everything's headed in world history. So. The last thing a Christian should be doing is disparaging the church of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. despite all of its foibles and wrinkles and whatever else. Mm-hmm. God knows that. He's dealing with that. He's yeah. ironing those out. He's maturing those. He's yeah. growing those. They will be perfected. Uh, so the church, you need to talk reverently about Christ's church. Uh, but in terms of uh, legitimate biblical principles, uh, and I think based on the foundation that you've laid already, I think the first thing you can look at is does – the individual parachurch organization or ministry have a direct connection to the church. Yeah, There's a lot of ways to, to figure that out. One is maybe like you stated in their purpose statement. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their formal uh, delineated purpose. We exist for and read through that and does it say anything about the church? Yeah. If it doesn't say anything about the church, that's a red flag. Yeah. And unfortunately, you found a lot of them that, that just don't even consider uh, the church and their stated purpose. Yeah, don't even mention the word. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of talk about serving Christians and glorifying God and preaching the word and spreading the gospel, Yep. but no reference to the, the church. Yeah, and doing, quote, ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you got to have a direct connection to the church. Mm-hmm. And a good, a good Christian school that's biblical is going to have that. Yeah. Their stated purpose. Yeah. They're either an outgrowth directly from the local church or they're uh, helping the people in the local church, parents, mm-hmm. and it's stated in their purpose statement. Yeah. And they are subservient to the church. Yeah. Uh, so you got to have a direct connection to the church. I think another principle is it's, you've got to have a gospel component in your parachurch yeah. ministry or endeavor. And I mean a deliberate, verbalized component as a priority of our parachurch ministry organization seeks to advance and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. in addition to whatever else they may do. Right. Maybe it's a service-oriented ministry. We go to Mexico and we we build houses mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're only pounding nails but you're not sharing the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not. that's not a Christian ministry. Right. It's got to have a gospel component. Yeah, it's not distinctively Christian. It's not. Yeah. It's uh, – it's a good deed. It's philanthropic. It's service-oriented, but the world can do that. Right. Uh, as I often say that Oprah, Win- Oprah Winfrey does that. Mm-hmm. She builds schools and does it better than just about anybody, yeah. but it's not Christian. Right. There's no gospel component. Uh, you can't outdo uh, in terms of 
just sheer goodness and philanthropic things in compared to some of the people in the world who have the resources to That's do true. That. So, That's a really good point. So you got to have a direct connection to the church, and I'd say the local church or mm-hmm. a local church yeah. for accountability and uh, in your purpose, but also that gospel component. Yeah. And you mentioned the local church. We did talk about this last week. If you are only talking about the church as universal, that tends to be rather abstract. But when you are rooting yourself directly to the local church, now we're talking concretely about what the the, the New Testament itself prioritizes, namely the local church. Yeah. And so, and then you're then you're placing yourself under the authority and the connection to a a local church, and it's not yeah. just giving kind of lip service to an abstract ideal. But yeah. have you ever met anybody in your life, Derek, who maybe they said they were a Christian and you ask them, where do you go to church? And they didn't have an answer. Uh, and they kind of stumble over that or, or evasive or even say, oh, I don't need a local church because I'm part of the universal church. Have you, has anybody ever told you that before? You know what? It's funny that you'd ask that because I was just told that most recently. And it's a pretty regular occurrence that I, I hear that kind of thing. Yeah. Where they say, I don't need to be a part of a local church because I'm a – I got – God added me to the universal church the moment I got saved. Right. So I don't need the local church, which to me is code for I don't want to be accountable to a local church with right. local elders and local members. For whatever reason, they just want to be independent mavericks or something. Exactly. I want to do my own ministry, my own way, my yeah. own Christian walk, my own way. Right. Yeah. Which that's, is that's, which is dangerous. It is. Yeah. That's at least a yellow flag. Mm-hmm. Maybe an orange one or red. <laughs> So you've got to have that direct connection. Yeah, and the local church – and just, again, to be more specific about the local church because it's so important, as you pointed out in the New Testament, most usages of the word church refer to the local church, meaning when Paul writes a letter right. to the church at Corinth, to the church at Philippi, to the church at Thessalonica, that's a local church. That's right. what we're talking about. Yeah. It wasn't to the universal church. Right. Um, but a local church, even when he wrote to Timothy or Titus, mm-hmm. it was specific leaders in a local church. Mm-hmm. So right. Timothy's a or, or Titus a pastor of the local church in Ephesus at the time. So uh, you, you, if you're a Christian, you've got to be rooted in a local church. Yeah. And that's the foundation from which you do ministry. Right. I agree 100%. And uh, I think practically speaking, parachurch organizations need to – demonstrate that connection to, that dependence upon, and even deference to. I think they need to reflect those things in the their very mission statements. Can I go on to point number three, to underscore your deference principle? Yes. That's number three. Okay. Um, so a legitimate parachurch will have a direct connection to the local church, number one. Number two, have a gospel component, and then number three – you need to be deferential mm. to the local church or subservient to the yep. local church. Yep. So your parachurch ministry, whether it's crew or campus crusade, you don't um, usurp the authority of the local church. You're subservient to the local church. Here's a good verse to highlight that of this deference. First Timothy three, where the apostle Paul writing to a local church, mm-hmm. or really a pastor of the local church, yep. talking about the local church to Timothy, and. He's giving this charge from God, speaking for God, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know, basically, Pastor Timothy, how one, how a Christian ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, mm-hmm. in the household of God. What is the household of God? Well, it's not the parachurch organization. That's right. It's not the Christian school. And he tells us, in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Mm-hmm. There it is. 
the church of the living God is the household of God, and then he describes it further. Uh, the church of God is the pillar and support of the truth. Mm-hmm. Hence, everything else needs to be subservient wow. to the local church. Wow. And and I and I would say it this way, and this I think is strong, but I think it's it's right. I think that to prioritize the local church means that a parachurch ministry needs to have this deference, this built-in deference that actually seeks the well-being of the local church over its own success. Yep. So that it actually is considering the success and the well-being of the local church first and foremost. Now, that probably will ruffle some feathers. That will ruffle feathers. But I think that is in keeping in line with the New Testament theology of the church and the idea that the parachurch is a ministry to come alongside of the church. And, uh, and Well, if so, you work for a church, I mean, if you work for a parachurch organization mm-hmm. and you don't have that attitude that you just articulated, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah. You have the wrong priorities. Yeah, that's right. You Absolutely. have elevated the parachurch organization over the church of the living God mm-hmm. and his precious bride. That's right. That's exactly right. And so... That's a challenge for people who are like that, who work full time mm-hmm. for a parachurch organization, mm-hmm. where that's that's their bread and butter. That's yeah. their mission in life. They think yeah. that's their calling from God. Yeah. What a challenge. It is a challenge. And it really does begin with what we talked about already today and in the last episode, that you have to have a very clear, thoroughly biblical theology of the church. And it's not... It's not some sort of small incidental piece of new te- the New Testament. It is a vital aspect of the New Testament. It's what Christ is building. It's the the centerpiece of re- of redemptive his- of activity. The church is. It's what uh, how God is displaying and uh, his and declaring his glory. It's from the the local church. And so, once you start to get a more fully orbed view of the local church, hopefully this idea of its priority in God's economy of salvation and what the priority that it must have in your own life, even if you do work at a parachurch ministry, hopefully that will begin to change your own thinking to prioritize the local church even over your own ministry. Seeing even your own ministry as having a, uh, an, a built-in expiration date, because it does. It's, it's temporary. Yep. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it'll last for the next five years, maybe for the next, next 10 years couple of decades, who knows? But eventually it will give way to the, when Christ comes back and gathers his church, there will be no more parachurch organizations, there will be the church. Yeah, and how many parachurch organizations have come and gone yeah. and just fizzled into non-existence right. because they were built on a personality or right. a fad right. and not on Christ. Derek, you wrote an article on this that I thought was really helpful on uh, parachurch organizations and ministries yeah. uh, addressing many of the things we're talking about. So hopefully, as we end, you'll be able to tell us more where that's available. But in that article, you had a helpful – I think it was three categories of parachurch organizations yeah. in terms of their – I guess the degree to which they were connected with the local church. Is that how it was? That's broken? how I tried to organize it, yeah. That was helpful. Um, so in light of that, can you articulate the three categories? Yeah, so I, I tried to use the word C. There you go. And whether or not these are the best words, I'm not sure. You can be the judge. But how I how I did it was I you have connected parachurches, which these connected parachurches 
they're linked to a specific local church or maybe on the campus of a specific local church, but for important reasons, they're a distinct entity of that of that local church. They're they're not a uh, perhaps they are on the campus and they're vitally linked to it, but perhaps they are also a its own entity for whatever tax purposes or so that but that would be a connected parachurch where they're vitally connected to a local church in a real way and you have even people from that local church vitally engaged in it so that would be a connected parachurch and uh, and then the next would be a cooperative parachurch those are seminaries in in a lot of cases um southern baptist convention southern baptist theological seminary westminster so on and even I, I found uh, Compassion International has a, a, a direct reference, at least they did last time I checked, they had a direct reference to their desire to be cooperating very specifically with the local church and with churches. And so I was encouraged by that. So you might call those cooperative parachurches. And then finally, I called the last one complete parachurches. And what I mean is, is that these stand completely on their own. They are distinguished from the local church. And not only are they distinguished from the local church, that it, but in, in terms of their purpose, their oversight, all of those things, completely distinct. So, so kind of completely church. independent of the local yeah, church? Yeah, independent. So complete yeah. isn't necessarily a good word here? No. Okay. Yeah. Now, those are helpful. So you got connected, directly connected, cooperative, and then completely independent. Would you say there are seminaries that are in the connected category, like they're flowing out of a local church, seminaries, whereas maybe there's another seminary that's cooperative. I, I'm just thinking of like Dallas Seminary. Yeah. It's not sponsored right. by a local church. That's Whereas right. you got Grace uh, Community Church where the master seminary exactly. flows out of the local church. And it's even right there on the campus. Right. Right. So and so I would say yeah, Masters is one of those connected parachurch ministries. Okay. Uh, the Cornerstone Seminary is vitally connected to Community Bible Church in Vallejo, California. It's even right there on the campus. We use one of their buildings. Yep. Um and so we are I think, I think these three categories are really helpful to just to take because there's a gazillion parachurch more right. organizations. You just throw them in one of these three boxes. Connected, directly connected to the church, cooperative, uh, where there's some kind of connection to the church, and then completely independent. Now, in your list of uh, – you give a few examples in each category, mm-hmm. and then you put uh, – in the completely independent, you put answers in Genesis, which is true in terms of it's not sponsored by a local church. Right. Um, and completely independent, meaning in it, is, does that mean in its purpose statement it doesn't – it's not stating it directly serves the local church? I believe so. I believe if it put it in that category, they did not have any reference to local churches or the local church in their purpose okay. statement. Gotcha. So well, that could have changed. So I, yeah. I did this work a couple of years ago. So that since yeah. then could have changed. And I don't know if sometimes that's just an oversight because you, you've got focus on the family, which probably in the ni- 80s and 90s was one of the most influential – evangelical ministries yeah. in the country, yeah. actually. Focus on the family. I would put that in the completely independent category where they were not – they weren't all about the local church. Yeah. It wasn't sponsored by a local church. Yeah, that's right. But they're supposedly doing Christian ministry. Right. Um, to families. To families. No <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got Answers in Genesis, which is a, a, a parachurch organization of education. Yeah. A ministry dependent 100% on the Bible, some good mm-hmm. biblical education there. Mm. I love Answers in Genesis. Yeah. So even within that category of complete independent parachurch ministries, there's a spectrum because they're yeah. not all the same. That's right. Because I think Answers in Genesis from the leaders and Ken Hammond, whatever, 
they if they don't state it clearly they make the local church a priority yeah they believe in being a resource deliberately for local churches and local church pastors mm. and maybe they need to uh reevaluate how that's communicated or in their purpose statements yeah but even just within those categories i think there's a spectrum some do a better job than others yes particularly yeah. in this last category of complete independence right which is really not a good place to be in if you're a Christian ministry, which takes me to one more question sure. in our time, where you've got like a, an evangelistic campus ministry that's independent of the church, and their goal is to evangelize and do ministry and share the love of Christ. My question is, if they're not a part of a local church or the church at all, which is the pillar and support of the truth, what authority, what spiritual authority do they have to do this, to do ministry? I think that's an, that's an excellent question, and I think you have a hard time justifying any kind of authority that they would have biblically because they are outside the local church. And I think that's the question they have to ask themselves is how do you justify or warrant or ground the authority that you are using to go conduct this ministry uh, presently? And so I think that is the question. And I and I, I am not convinced that you can, given all that we've talked about in terms of a theology does, of the church. Where does spiritual authority come from? comes from the... I mean, where would you point to in Scripture? This is the conduit, or because you have it oh, in your article, yeah, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, absolutely, Matthew 18. And can yeah. you just comment on that? Yeah, so Christ has given the church to be the place where uh, the Christians are recognized as Christians, and he's given the authority to the church to exercise discipline when there are people who are not acting like Christians. And so he's given the authority for that church discipline to the church and to the church alone. And so uh, not to a parachurch organization. And so when you have uh, parachurch organizations working independently of the church, they are working independently of the authority that Christ has bequeathed his church. Yeah, and that, that was a really powerful point in your article there, that um, spiritual authority is delegated from God. All spiritual authority comes from God. Mm -hmm. He delegates that to humanity through the local church, which is the pillar and support of the truth. Then you're where you pointed to Matthew 18, where Jesus himself explicitly gives authority to the leaders in the church. Yeah. Hebrews 13, 17 tells Christians to listen to and submit to your church leaders right. where That's that right. authority is. To be a church leader, you have delineated qualifications to be one acting in spiritual authority, mm -hmm. which would be an elder or a pastor mm -hmm. That's right. in light of 1 Timothy 3. That's right. If you're on a board at some parachurch organization doing so-called Christian ministry, and you're not qualified in light of 1 Timothy Three or Titus one, mm. you're not qualified in light of spiritual authority given from from God. You're wow. an independent operator. Yeah, yeah. Wow, those are those are very important. I think questions and Im implications that those who are working and lead working in and leading parachurch ministries do, need to consider strongly consider. And we're not saying eliminate those parachurch ministries, but we are saying that I think some serious thought needs to go into how you're framing. The, in, the mission statement and structuring the very ministry itself in relation to the local church. Absolutely. So an encouragement to all you parachurch ministry people <laughs> out there, just sh sh evaluate your parachurch ministry you're affiliated with or yeah. work for yeah. and, and try to shore it up or align it more in keeping with what the Bible says about the importance of the local church. Yeah. And Absolutely. hopefully go, if you're in category three of just complete independence, you got to work towards being connected. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's better for you, it's better for the institution, and better for the people that you're serving. Well, as we close, I want to thank you for listening. I also want to point you to withallwisdom.org one more time, but this, this time I want you to consider our mission statement, and this is the mission statement that we have at uh, withallwisdom.org. With All Wisdom is a site dedicated to serving the members and leaders of local churches by providing biblical resources to Christians from all walks of life. On this site, you'll find articles, books, podcasts, and other audio resources produced by contributors that touch on a wide variety of biblical, theological, social, and practical topics. Our prayer is that these resources will serve to further your maturity in Christ and deepen your love for your local congregation. That's our mission, and we thank you for listening. Until next time, keep seeking the Lord in His Word.